You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Now let's, by show of hands, how many have memorized a verse for the month? All right, you guys, we have got some work to do. There is no other option. It's either gold or platinum, all right? We don't have silver or bronze in this program. So now I'm giving you very simple verses. This is so simple. Okay, so get, grab a bulletin and let's say it together because we really want to learn this, all right? Ready? Okay, here we go. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandment. Psalm 119.45. Let's try it again. All right, we've got to memorize this. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. Really quick, what is the seventh commandment? Yeah, you guys are remembering the seven, the broken heart. Don't commit adultery. Adultery breaks hearts. Okay, so look at that. Uh, let me pick one other. Number four. What's number four? Sabbath. Sabbath. Little guys watching TV should be in church. Okay, so remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. What's our memory verse again? Where's it found? Psalm 45. I need one more volunteer. Stand up and say, who else has memorized it? Nobody's putting up their hand. We had a lot more. Okay, right here, Howard. Yeah, you got to stand. All right. Woo! Love it. You say, well, why is that so important? Why will we really walk in? Will we really walk in freedom if we devote ourselves to your commandments? Case in point. Think of this week. If you watch the news. You heard, you understood that Lance Lance Armstrong was interviewed by Oprah. Remember that? And he came, and he came clean on lying, commandment number nine, about not using steroids and so forth. The CBC Sports page had this headline yesterday. Lance Armstrong told his son, don't defend me anymore. Now, listen to this and tell me if... Think about this. If he had kept the commandments, would he be a freer man in his heart? Here's what it said. Lance Armstrong finally cracked, not while expressing deep remorse or regrets, though there were plenty of that in Friday night's second part of Armstrong's interview with Oprah Winfrey. It wasn't over the 75 million U.S. and sponsorship deals that evaporated over the course of two days or having to walk away from the Livestrong Cancer Charity he founded and called his sixth child, It wasn't even about his lifetime ban from competition, though he said that was more than he deserved. It was another bit of collateral damage that Armstrong said he wasn't prepared to deal with. I saw my son defending me and saying, that's not true. What are you saying about my dad is not true, Armstrong recalled. That's when I knew I had to tell him. Armstrong was near tears at that point, referring to 13-year-old Luke, the oldest of his five children. He blinked, looked away from Winfrey, and with lip trembling, struggled to compose himself. What did you say? Winfrey asked. I said, listen, there's been a lot of questions about your dad, my career, whether I doped or did not dope. I've always denied that. I've always been ruthless and defined about that. You guys have seen that. That's probably why you trusted me on it, which makes it even sicker, Armstrong said. And uh, I told Luke, I said, and here Armstrong paused for a long time to collect himself. I said, don't defend me anymore. Don't. Luke says... He said, it's okay. He just said, look, I love you. You're my dad, and this won't change that. What was the price 
I'm not keeping that commandment. That's not freedom. What was the bondage that he walked in knowing that he lied? The complications of his life and right down to where it hurts the most. What does it do for well, how How's a dad have to go to his son and say, son, you saw me, you, defend, you saw me defend. I sued people over this, but actually I lied. Remember that verse again. I will walk in freedom for I have what? devoted myself to your concepts, to your precepts. Folks, this is, you know, Lance Armstrong is undoubtedly a world-class athlete, doping or no doping. He's an incredible athlete, incredible leader, incredible organizer. The kind of guy, he says, you know, I will chart my own course. I will be the master of my own destiny. But our verse for this morning, our key text says that if you live like that, the ungodly, following your own ways, your own commandment, you will be like the chaff blown by the wind. And there is a very real spiritual force out there, and you can't see it, but it's blowing. And if you don't have a moral bearing, if you don't have an anchor for your life spiritually, you will be like the chaff of the wind blown this way and that way by the culture of the day and by a demonic influence in our world, whether you see it or not, it will affect your life. And more than ever, even in our day, we need this kind of a moral compass to hold us through the course of life. Going back to last week, just as a review, because it was Vision Sunday, here was a statement we gave you. In 2013, as devoted followers of Christ, we will shape our church by, and then we use this acronym SHAPE. S stands for studying the Word. H stands for helping one another. A stands for adoring the Lord with worship and the Lord's Supper. P stands for praying. E stands for engaging one another in the world around us. All taken from Acts chapter 2 verse 42 to 47. So that's what we talked about last week. You'll hear those two words a lot this year, devoted and shaped. Today, S in that is studying God's Word. So that's what we're going to focus on today, uh, being devoted to God's Word. There was an expert on time management. He got a bunch of leaders together, and he was teaching them how to manage their time, be more productive with their time. And he gave them an illustration to help uh, get the point across. And you may have heard this before, but it bears repeating. And he had in front of him on a table this big mason jar. So imagine this big jar. And he had a bunch of rocks there. And the rocks were about the size of his hand, about this big. And he took these rocks and he put them into the jar. So imagine I'm putting these into a jar. And when he placed all those rocks into the jar, he asked these sharp leaders, he said, okay, is the jar full? And some said yes, some said no, some weren't sure where he was getting at, so they weren't answering. And then he said, okay. Then he grabbed some gravel, and he poured gravel into the jar, and the gravel shook around, and it filled the, the pores that were there, and pretty soon it was full. He says, is the jar full? By now they're catching on. They say, no, it's not full. We know you're up to something. And so then he took a jar of sand, and he poured sand into this masonry jar, this big jar, and he shook it around until it was right full. And they said, he said to them, is the jar full? And they said, no, because they knew he was up to something. So then he took some water, and he poured water into there until it was, every space was completely filled. Then he looks at them and says, okay, what is the point of this story? What do we learn from it? And there's one eager beaver out there. He says, okay, what we learn from this is that you can always squeeze more into your life. You can always put more in your life. And he goes, no, that is not the moral of the story. Good try. That's not the moral of the story. He said, the moral of the story is you have to put the big rocks in first. Because if you don't put them in first, you can't get them in later. 
You can try that experiment at home. Put in some sand, put in some gravel, and then try to get this rock in there. It won't go in. It has to be done first. So what, is, is, what are or what is the big rock in your life? What goes in first? If we try to put God's word into our life the last minute of the day or we squeeze it in here and there, it's not going to fit. It won't be part of our life. Every one of us have been given 168 golden hours throughout the week. That's what we've all been dealt. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter who you know. It doesn't matter where you live, where you are on the planet. Everybody gets dealt the same amount of time, right? We all get the same amount. Now, of that time, they've done different studies, and they find, uh, let me just give you the exact stats on this. They find that we spend about 56 of those hours sleeping, plus or minus. 24 of those hours are eating and personal hygiene. 50 hours are working and traveling to work, plus or minus. So on average, that means a person is left with 35 hours of discretionary time. Five hours a day that you get to really do these big rocks. So... The question is, where, what are you doing with those five hours? Those, what would you do with that? If I was to follow you around for about 10 days, I would find out what are the rocks of your life. What are the big rocks in your life? If, if five hours extra day was spending TV, well, that's what you're filling your life with. Very little room for God's Word. If five hours are just doing sports, then there's very little room to put God's Word into it. So, again, our time is a reflection uh, or what we do with our time is a reflection of where our priorities are. The early church, Acts chapter 2, 42, says they joined with other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching, or the Word of God, was a big rock in their life. It went in first. Now, you can do your devotions at the end of the day. You can do it at the beginning of the day. You can do it during the day. We'll talk more about that. But the idea is you have to make time devoted to it to make sure that it's in your life. If you don't, the day goes by real quick, and all of a sudden I filled my life with all these other things, but I didn't feel it, had the Word of God in my life. It has to be uh, a priority in order for that to happen. Our key text is Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. You had a handout when you came in this morning, and so you've got that there with you. We're going to do something different. We haven't done this before. We're going to do something different this morning, a little bit radical. But uh, let me put it this way. If we had the queen come to church, well, all of a sudden we had a little message, you know, that they called up and said, oh, you know what, she couldn't announce this because otherwise the press would be here. But, folks, the queen will be attending the church service. We might all stand and just give her respect because the queen is here and she'd come and have her seat or something. Well, we have something much greater than the queen here, and that is God's word. So this morning we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to stand in respect for God's word. So would you stand with me this morning? And we're just standing out of respect for his word, devoted to his word. Man, if you're devoted to something, ooh, man, I'm devoted to that. Wow, you, it gets your attention. You look up, you perk up because you're devoted to it. So we're going to stand for the word. And if you have it, we're going to read Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3 together. If you use your notes, then we're all reading the same translation. So are you ready? Okay, here we go. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. 
He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Very good. Thank you. You can be seated. Thanks for reading the Word with me this morning. So the first thing I want to point out to you, according to this chapter here, first verse, first word is the word blessed. Blessed is the man. God wants us blessed. Well, you look at your neighbor and say, God wants you blessed. He wants us blessed. Blessed is a man. Here's a couple of verses that are in there as well. In your notes, Psalm 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. Last year was about a better way. Those are blessed who walk in the ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Blessed is a word that is... Uh, not just was, but it's actually ongoing. Blessed is, not blessed was, not blessed will be. Now, present tense, blessed is the man. Right now, blessed is the man. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Here God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper or plans to bless you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan for your life. I don't know if you've done this, but I've done this. Sometimes I've come to God and said, God, I have a plan. Would you please bless it? Now, I, I got, it's my plan, and I want God to bless it. I've discovered something, and this is worth remembering. It's so much better to go to God and get his plan, because then you get the pre-blessed plan. Instead of, God, I, I kind of got this. I, even in a bit of a mess, would you please bless it and get me out of the mess? It's so much easier to say, God, what are your plans for my life? Because this verse says, I have plans for you, and the plans are for you to prosper, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Then 3 John 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. That sounds like relationships. That sounds like business. That sounds like your social life. That sounds like all things. I, that's what it says here. I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health. Now, you have to remember the last part of this, just as your soul prospers. What's your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. What goes on between your ears? If there's stinking thinking between your ears, the rest of the verse doesn't work. As your soul prospers, what do you apply? What are you thinking about? What are you meditating on? What's going on here is very related to how the blessings of God come into your life. We'll talk more about that. Okay, let's go into this. If I want to be blessed by God, according to this psalm, Psalm chapter 1, what should I do? Number one, Choose our company carefully. Look around what's influencing your life. There are two possible ways we can be influenced. Either we're influenced with godly influence or ungodly influence. And notice the progression here. This chapter, if you go back to it again, just go back to the key text, Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who what? Walks. So he's walking. We've got the verb walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor what? Stand. So he was walking. Now he's standing. And what's the next thing he's doing? Sitting. You see the progression. The enemy doesn't get you all at once. He, he traps you very sneakily. You first walk, and then you stand, and then you sit. This is the way he traps us. There's a progression. And as, as he goes along, the grip, the influence gets stronger and stronger in your life. And so this is blessed is the man who, who does not do that. Blessed is the man who does not 
walk in that counsel. Blessed is a man who does not work with these sinners, who does not listen to them, who does not sit with them. Blessed is that person who does it. And then, then there's a very important word in this whole thing. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but, this is, this is connecting it, but what does he do instead? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law, he meditates day and night. 24-7, he's meditating on What does he mean by this? Now, this may be the most important part of the whole message. So hang in there with me. They're really, really important. Because here's what we sometimes think when it comes to devotions. And last week, we we gave you a handout with different apps that have devotions. You can pick up devotional books in the bookstore downstairs. You can go online. Lots of ways to do devotions. One of the guys told me last year what really helped him in his devotions was he he just plugged into his iPhone, uh, got an app that had the Bible where he could listen to it while he walked. And he would just listen to it audio. He said that... That was huge for my devotions. It was one of the best years I've had because I was listening to it. I hadn't done that for a long time. So whatever works for you, and that worked for him. And sometimes we think, okay, uh, I listened to the word while I was walking, or I read my four verses in the morning, and now I'm done. And we kind of we put it away for the rest of the day. But that's not what this guy's doing who's prospering. He's doing something different. And this is really important because it says he doesn't walk, he doesn't stand or sit with this, but... But when? But when it's going on, in that moment, yes, I did my devotions in the morning, but now I'm in a place where I am with some people that are really ungodly. At that moment, what am I doing? I'm meditating on God's Word. In that moment, I meditate. Or I'm in a situation where uh, there's a compromise going on, or I'm in a situation where I know this is wrong, you, you paint the picture, but at that moment, I go back and I meditate on God's Word. <gasps> Here's what God says. God says in His Word. Maybe, let me give you this picture. Let's say you're going in for a job interview, and you've put your application to lots of places, and it just seems so difficult to get a job, and as you walk in there, it's in the middle of the afternoon, you did your devotions in the morning, you walk in there, and you sit down, and you're waiting for your turn. And somebody says, you know, I think I'm getting this job. And, and, uh, and you're thinking, oh, man, you know, there's so many applications, and, you know, I applied. And, and you have all these doubts are going at, at you. And so it's, it's your soulish realm that's really being challenged. At that point, you have a choice that you can make. You can go down that path and say, wait a minute, I will what? Meditate on God's Word. Meditate means to mutter. Meditate means to ponder, to imagine. This is not transcendental meditation. This is not new age meditation. There's a big difference. It's not sitting in a lotus position and going, hmm, hmm. That's, that's not this type of meditation. That's disengage your mind. This meditation is engage your mind on God's truth. That's why, how we meditate. It's very different. Christians meditate on God's word differently. And so we ponder, we think, we imagine. In that moment, I'm thinking, oh, do I get this job or don't I? I'm all, what are they going to say? I don't know if I'm going to say the right words. And you're all tense. And then wait a minute. God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The word of God says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The Bible says, Jesus said, before he left, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wait a minute, Psalm 23. 
I meditate on that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want of a job. He leadeth me beside green pastures. That sounds like he wants to be with me. He wants me to prosper. If God be for me, who can be against me? What am I doing? I'm meditating. When? In that moment, not just in my morning or my afternoon, my commute, it's meditating when you're in the battle that's so important. Now, you've, you all, often we carry water with us. You know, a lot of you have a water bottle with you even this morning while you're here. And if you've ever seen an athlete when they're running or they're working out, of course, we'll have a drink of water in the morning. We'll hydrate in the morning. But what do we do when we're working out? Or what do we do when we're running a marathon? Or we're riding our bike or whatever? Or we're playing a sport? We come back to the bench. We, what do we, the first thing we do is we, we take another sip of water. That's all God's saying here. Is don't just have your drink of water in the morning. As you go throughout the day, you got to keep sipping water. Keep sipping water. What does the water do? The water flushes the toxins out of your body. And when in Scripture... When it refers to the word being water, it's always in reference to cleansing. It cleanses. Lord, we live in a world that's polluted spiritually. Amen? There's a lot of toxins out there. You go to work, you hear all kinds of language, you get on the sky train, you see stuff, you hear stuff. You, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And sometimes we're with sinners where we work. You could be working on a construction site, and you've got pornography placed a, plastered all over the wall. What do you do with that? You think about Psalms where it says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the works of those who, who fall away. It will not cling to me. What am I doing? I'm saying a word. I'm muttering. I'm taking, a, I'm taking a sip of water. Folks, carry your water bottle with you all day long. And when you need a sip, take a sip. Don't just have a drink in the morning and then park it. You'll, you'll be hydrated. You'll, you won't have that living water. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. It cleanses us as we go along. So this is an important point in this psalm. We're devoted to the word, but we're not just taking our little devotion in the morning and saying that's it. We have to meditate throughout the day. To meditate is to medicate. Okay, we, 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 it's like medicine to us. Now, here's the deal. Somebody sent me a clip from Oprah Winfrey this week. Two references to Oprah this morning, I'm sorry, but anyhow. I'm not promoting her show. It's just, they were both really good. I have a lot of respect for her. She, she does some great things. So she interviewed Rick Warren. And Rick Warren was on the show, and he, he had four cards, playing cards, up on the screen. And on one playing card was the word chemistry. One had the word character. One had the word conscience. And the one had the word circumstances. You have been dealt a hand in life. You've been dealt certain circumstances beyond your control. You have been dealt certain, or one was connections, certain connections in life. Some people have gotten married, they said, into the right family, or they were born in the right family, or they had so much money, they, they were dealt certain conscious things. Things were said about your life that you had no control over. Those cards you have no control over. But he said, the fifth card is the word choices. That's the wild card. If you play that card right, you can change all the rest. And then she says, I'm going to show you a clip about a man who was dealt a very difficult hand. Chemistry, conscience, connections, all the rest of it. He was born in Australia. You might have seen his story. He has no legs, no arms. And she says, I'm going to show you this clip, and all you who complain, shut your mouth. 
And then she said again, just shut your mouth. Stop complaining and start making some choices. And a powerful clip about this man, born with no legs, no arms. Like H. Chen wanted to commit suicide because the hand he was dealt, but he started making the right choices. Today he's married. And very clearly in the show, give all the credit, all the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ who gives him the strength to make the choices. God said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. What? Therefore, you choose. You got that card. You've been dealt different things in your life, but you have that card and you can make a choice. And God gives us the strength to make those choices. And we can choose life. Now, here's really important. You want to guard something? Guard your choice, your chooser. Guard your volition. Don't ever let it be. That's why that other type of meditation is so dangerous because we disengage our chooser. If you sit passively and just say, que sarah, sarah, whatever thought can come into my mind, just let it come on in, that is a very dangerous position to be because the enemy will gladly accommodate you and feed you some rotten thoughts into your mind. And then you'll wonder why later on you can't stop thinking about things that you don't want to think about. It's because your volition is atrophy. It's no longer able to say, I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ, I choose this. That's why it's dangerous to be intoxicated. That's why it's dangerous to be under the influence of drugs. That's why it's dangerous to be hypnotized. Why? Because your chooser, that wild card, somebody else has control of it. Yeah. Give God thanks. He gave us an ability to choose, protect it. It's so important because we want the blessed life, but it's related to being devoted to God's word Choosing his word, especially in those moments when we're in the heat of the battle. You know, it would be silly for a boxer who's in that ring boxing. He comes back into his corner and his coach says, here's a drink of water. He goes, no, no, I don't want a drink of water. Or you're going to lose the boxing match. Throughout the day, sometimes life's a boxing match. And you've got to keep going back and take another sip of water, another sip of water. That's how we apply this scripture into our lives. All right, so we want to choose our company carefully, and then we also want to build up our faith by feeding on God's Word. You probably know these verses, uh, Colossians 3.16. This is a great verse. Let the words of Christ and all the richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Live in your heart. It has to go from our head to our heart. If we don't read it, if we don't memorize it, now, I hate to tell you this, but I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, as far as how many memorized one verse, we didn't even have half the hands go up. Now, I'm not going to memorize the verses for you. You're going to have to do a church. And if you fall in the ditch and wonder why you aren't prospering, aren't blessed, but you don't want to memorize a word, well, that's your own fault. It's not your dad's fault. It's not your whole group leader's fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's your own dumb fault. <laughs> what? Because you're too lazy to memorize the word. You know all the hockey players, but you don't know God's word. You know your, your words to your favorite song. You can sing, you know, some song off the radio. You can name movie stars and all the movies they played in, but you don't know the books of the Bible. And then you wonder why you struggle in your marriage, why you wonder you struggle in your finances. Well, I gave and nothing happens. We, you haven't devoted yourself to God's word. Why should he honor it? And we don't have an excuse. You say, well, I don't, you can't say I don't, have any, I, don't have, I don't have the Bible available to me. You can get a zillion translations online by. I mean, we, we, ha, we have no excuse. 
I'm not being hard on you this morning because just to be hard on you. I'm telling you the truth because at the end of the year, our heart, our desire is with God's. I'm with John. I desire as pastor that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. But, honey, you've got to memorize the scriptures. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I believe this. Well, that's your choice. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you can be planted by a river of living water. Now, the word river there is actually, if you look it up in a concordance, it means an irrigation channel. Because we think of a tree by streams, we think of a tree by the stream of living water, like a wild stream, but it's actually planted, intentionally planted by an irrigation ditch, think orchard, Think of a plant that's been pruned, cultivated, planted, very intentional. Psalm says, if we're planted in the house of the Lord, we flourish. But if we're not planted, if we're here one day, there the next day, folks, our flourishing is highly related to us being planted in God's house, devoted. I promise you, this works. The sun will rise tomorrow morning. This will work. God's word in our heart causes things to flourish. It's his word. He promises that. And we can rest on that. Now, we need to release God's word by speaking it out. I don't understand all of this. One day in heaven I will. But there's a principle, a spiritual principle. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according as what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. God's word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Two-edged sword... Stay with me for a moment. Two-edged in the Greek. Catch this, is two-mouthed. That's kind of weird, a two-mouthed sword. But when you think about it, God said it once, and it becomes living and powerful in your life when you say it. As long as it sits on your coffee table or your Gideon's Bible is in your hotel room, it does nothing. You can put the Bible on your owie, and your owie won't go away. You can put the Bible on your bed, and you will not sleep any better. Because it's just potential energy. But the minute you speak it, it becomes kinetic energy. It becomes alive, becomes powerful. But if you don't speak it, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Thank God for his word. Amen. His word, he said, Jesus, my words are spirit and life. And when you speak them, they go into the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is stronger than the natural realm. The natural realm changes because you've spoken his word. We are created in God's image. God spoke. We speak. There's something powerful about it. We'll talk more about that, but we have to be devoted to his word in order to do that. Here's a little clip we're going to close with. Bethany Hamilton was a surfer. At age 14, she's out surfing off the coast of Hawaii, and a 14-foot tiger shark comes along and bites her, takes off her arm. She lands up in the hospital. It's a great movie. And she asks her dad at one point, Dad, will I ever surf again? Listen to this little clip and think how it applies to her message this morning. Hey, how's my favorite patient? You say that to everyone. I mean it when I see you. I'll wait outside. I'll see you later. So I understand you're feeling some discomfort here. Yeah. Well, that's normal. There's going to be a lot of pain because of the trauma that you've endured. Not to mention the fact that you've lost over 60% of your blood. You're going to be feeling kind of lousy for the next few days, kid. Now, here's the thing, Bethany. The things that you're going to have to learn to do differently is 
extensive. But the good news, those things you're not going to be able to do, small. I'm so proud of you. I'll tell you something. She is a living miracle. It's David. Hey, sleepyhead. clip yeah thank god for his word what's happening there what's happening in that clip they're doing psalm chapter one in the heat of the moment in that circumstance what they're doing they're choosing god's word they're meditating do you hear a moderate i can do all things through him through christ who gives me strength that's meditation right there that was meditation and it's not just in our morning devotions yes we must have that but throughout the day and if we don't know his word, we won't have it to meditate on. Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. We are not above our master. If Jesus needed to do that, how much more also do we need to know his word and be able to speak it out? So we need to be devoted to the word. And what are the, what's the result of it? Prosper, bless whatever we put our hand to. Like a tree, planted, flourishing every season, flourishing. That's what God has in mind for us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.